Grace and mercy and peace belong to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God before us this morning is from a portion of the Old Testament book, the Old Testament prophet, Jeremiah. One of the most compelling figures in the Old Testament is the prophet Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, some have called him, because it seemed that the way he was put together emotionally, it it just seemed impossible for him to deliver what were often difficult messages from God to God's people and to do that without, without high emotion. Jeremiah's life and ministry were not easy. When God called him to, to be a prophet, he, he, he called upon Jeremiah to live really a solitary, isolated life. He was to avoid... Uh, all kinds of social gatherings throughout his ministry, which lasted about 40 years. Gatherings for rejoicing or even gatherings for for mourning. He was to avoid them. And then there was the message he had to proclaim. Much of his message from God was just tough, tough love from God. Warnings to to God's people in the kingdom of Judah about the the dire consequences coming to them if they did not come to repentance. Well, as a result of, of Jeremiah's unique position as prophet and his unique responsibilities in, in this office of prophet, he, it ended up that his family wanted nothing to do with him. His, his own fellow citizens ended up accusing him of, of treason. And even though it was clear he was not naturally wired to withstand this sort of thing, Jeremiah ended up enduring ridicule, physical persecution, and threats of death. Why? Well, here here was the setting for for Jeremiah's ministry. It it was about 600 years, about 600 years before the birth of Jesus. The glory days of of King David, they were long gone, hundreds of years earlier. The northern half of the kingdom of Israel had disappeared. Years earlier, an enemy nation had come in and conquered them and carried off all of its people. The remaining half, the southern half, was called the kingdom of Judah. And things were going pretty tough there, too. Within that kingdom of Judah, God's people were growing more and more comfortable in what you might call a, a, a dark false security when it came to their relationship with God. On the one hand, they would tell themselves, hey, we're God's chosen people, we're the good guys, nothing bad was ever really going to happen to us. And on the other hand, 
they faded. They faded from any meaningful focus on God's Word. They went through the motions of worship mechanically, almost, almost like a, a, a superstition. And one by one, they picked up pet sins. Pet sins that they kept inviting into their lifestyle. Pet sins that, they, that, that further threatened uh, egregious harm to them and, and their relationship with their Savior God. But they kept, right doing, right, they kept right on doing it. Because in their mind, they were God's chosen people and were the good guys and nothing bad is ever really going to happen to us. Gary Richmond. Gary Richmond is a retired veterinarian who used to work in a, in a big zoo, the uh, Los Angeles Zoo. So he knows a lot about animals. Gary Richmond once wrote and observed that while there are some animals that make great pets, there are other animals that seem like they're going to make great pets, but they don't make great pets. He says the reason for that is that there are certain animals that they can be nice and friendly and playful when they're young, but then they reach a certain point and, and there's a change. Their glands change, and once that happens, any time after that, it might come without warning that that friendly pet will turn on you and attack. Well, Gary Richmond knew of a young lady that he knew. Her name was Julie. And he knew that she had one of those pets that fit that category. In her case, it was a baby raccoon. And he told her, Julie, your time is limited. Your time is limited. That It's going to reach a point where it's going to be dangerous to have that as a pet. And Julie smiled and listened patiently, and she smiled and nodded. But then when he was done talking, he, she said, well, Gary, that, I understand. I appreciate your concern, but that's, that's never going to happen to me. My little bandit, that was the nickname for her little raccoon, my little bandit would never do that. Several months went by. Gary received word that Julie was in the hospital getting plastic reconstruction on her face. What she said would never happen to her happened. That harmless pet had turned and attacked. Brothers and sisters, give some thought to your own life. What sin in your life are you perhaps trying to domesticate as a pet? A pet you think you can keep around without much damage? A pet you think you can keep under control? A pet that seems benign and harmless, but it's that very apparent harmlessness that makes that sin 
so lethal. Over time, the sheer, the sheer comfortableness and, and false security create a slow but steady drift between our souls and our relationship with our Savior God. And then, when we are good and distant, that seemingly harmless pet sin, all it has to do is turn around and bite. Back to Jeremiah. With tears and, and high emotion, <clears throat> Jeremiah painted a, a grim picture of what awaited God's people as a result of their hardened, cynical attitude towards their pet sins. He foretold that an enemy power would one day come to besiege Jerusalem, and then during that siege there would be, there would be starvation and, 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 and disease and death. And then those enemy forces would break through and its soldiers would, would put their swords to use in all kinds of awful ways. And then those who remained alive would be forced to leave their homes and walk great distances to a faraway land to live in exile. And one day, all of God's warnings that came through Jeremiah did come true. One day, the forces of the Babylonian Empire arrived, and they laid siege to Jerusalem, and one day they finally broke through, and they used the sword, and they carried the remaining people of Judah off into exile, where they remained for the next 70 years. The Lord, through Jeremiah, was not through with his message, however. For those who listened, for those with repentant hearts, for those who trusted God's promises, God had something more to say. As we know, the days of King David were long gone. It was now hundreds of years later, and that, and that once vigorous kingdom that, that King David had once led well, now it was just a bit player on the world stage, a bit player that Jeremiah had already announced was about to fall to a foreign power. The kingdom of David, therefore, was like, was like the stump of a once great tree. But then the Lord said this. He said, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. This future righteous branch, the Lord said, would do what is just and right. And most of all, this is what this righteous branch would bring about. As a result of this righteous branch, Jeremiah proclaims, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely. But it's what the Lord said next that makes us realize that he's no longer talking about a, a, a political or a military rescue. Rather, he says that because of this righteous branch, there would be a spiritual deliverance from the curse of sin. Because of this coming righteous branch, God's people would be forgiven and holy in his sight. As a result, they would bear a name, and their name would be 
The Lord is our righteousness. This was God's description of His promise fulfilled. And remember, all God's people in that moment, all they had was a promise. At a time in their history when everything seemed to be falling apart, all they had was a promise. And so the years passed, kingdoms rose and fell, superpowers came and went. Then, in Bethlehem, David's hometown, the righteous branch arrived. Jesus was born. He grew up to live a perfect life in our place. He suffered and died on a cross to wash our sin away. And now through faith in Him we are forgiven. We are righteous in His sight. You and I are eyewitnesses to how God has fulfilled the promise He had made. Brothers and sisters, when life is difficult, when life is confusing, when life is discouraging and exhausting and and frightening and hard, it can be very easy for you and me sometimes to say, all we have is a promise. All we have here in this book are words. All we have is some some promise that that everything is going to be all right. But remember where these words come from. Remember where these words come from. Remember who gives you this promise. This promise comes from the one who never forgets what a promise means. This promise comes from the one who understands what faithfulness is. Even at times when you and I don't. This promise comes from the one who died on a cross and rose from the grave because he promised he would. This promise comes from the one who keeps his promises because that is who he is. Therefore, Fellow forgiven sinners, bask and rest and be refreshed in this truth that God your Savior will fulfill his every promise to you. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds In Jesus, amen.